Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is from Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 30. And we are reading from the New Revised Standard Version, uh, the updated edition. So here's the word of the Lord. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them the water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on, the, on this mountain, but you, you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us, Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with the woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. The story of the woman at the well is very familiar to many of us. And Jesus meets this Samaritan woman. I'm going to switch drugs to the large one. He meets her at the well, and we never really learn her name. But her life is changed forever. This encounter is the longest recorded 
conversation anyone's ever had with Jesus. The story is simple, but there's so many issues that are brought up. You know, there's racial differences, religious differences, and how Jesus is dealing with outcasts. Now, she's a moral outcast in her own Samaritan community. And one of the great truths to come out of this story is that God is greater than race, class, gender, and religious tradition. We also learn that the woman struggles with many problems and choices. Now, we also may struggle with choices that we've made. Perhaps choices we've made ourselves or choices that have been imposed upon us. There are circumstances that happen to us in life that are beyond our control. And sometimes when that happens, we suffer from what's known as victim mentality. You know, why me? Why did this happen? Or we can look at the situation and go on with our life the best as we can. She, like some of us, may have had misplaced priorities, guilt, doubt, broken dreams, personal failure, indifference, excuses, anger. And she may have been hurt how her life turned out. We don't know the Samaritan woman's feelings. We can only speculate. But what we do know is Jesus met her where she was, and he loved her, he accepted her, and because of this wonderful encounter, she accepted Christ as the Messiah. And so her life, her life was never the same again. And this is true evangelism. Reaching people for Christ is not always easy, but like Jesus, we have to go where people are, and if you want to reach them at all, you go to where they're at. And Jesus intended to save the Samaritan woman, so he went where she was. And that's how you share the good news. Once she is saved, she goes to share it with others. She doesn't just keep it for herself. Now, I'm going to do what's known as a narrative sermon, or it's a story sermon, and so I'll try to be the Samaritan woman with glasses. You're going to have to use your imagination. Who met Jesus? And so let's now bow our heads and pray as I get into character. Lord, help us to hear the story in a new way and to learn from it. Help us to learn to, uh, learn to understand what maybe she went through and help us with new understanding as we go closer to you. Amen. Now, I realize that some of you may not like me. I hope that's not true, but you do. You judge me, and most of you don't even know my name. You've never bothered to get to know me, and you haven't bothered to get to know my struggles or my pain. But I do hear your gossip. I hear your whispers. Did you hear she's with another man? She's such a sinner. Isn't she so shameful? I can hear you. Do you think I can't? Or maybe you just don't care. Well, I don't care either. So it's been easier for me to get my water in the sixth hour of the day when the sun is the hottest rather than go to the cool part of the day. 
so that I don't have to meet any of you. Yes, I've avoided you because of the way you look at me and because you have also avoided me as well. But today, today was different. It was a hot day and the sweat poured off my head as I carried my water jug and I reached the well to where I always draw my water and it was there that I met a rabbi, a Jew. He was a stranger, but I knew he was a Jew by his clothes. He looked different and someone I'd never seen before. But this stranger, this rabbi told me about everything I had ever done. Now you look surprised that he, a Jew, would speak to me, a Samaritan and a woman. I was shocked too because Jews hardly speak to their own women and they never speak to Samaritans. Now to speak to a woman in public place was just unheard of for a Jew. And also to be in Samaria, that was also unheard of as well. I come from a tiny village of Sikar. Do you know where Sikar is? Galilee is in the north, Samaria is in the middle, and Judea in the south. Sikar is in Samaritan territory between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Sikar was built at the junction of two trade routes. One route that came up from Jerusalem on its way to Capernaum, and the other that went west from Jericho region toward the Mediterranean Sea. The well where I get my water is located at these two trade routes that come together. The well's called Jacob's Well and is named after our patriarch, Jacob. And Jacob's the one who discovered the well, the fresh wellspring bubbling below the surface. Now the easiest and quickest way to get to Galilee from Judea is to go due north right through Samaria. But when Jews travel, they almost never ever pass this way. They would take the longer route and go east and then they cross the River Jordan and then they enter the range of Peria, then go north, recross the Jordan River, and finally they would be in Galilee. This is the long, long way around. Although it was way out of the way, and it took a whole lot longer, and meant for the Jews that they would not have to go through Samaria. It's hard to believe that they would go this long way around just to avoid Samaritan territory, but that's what they did. And why did they do that? Well, it's because they hated us Samaritans. The Jews looked down on us. They saw us as religious half-breeds and racial half-breeds. After Israel's fall to the Assyrians, we Samaritans began to intermarry with the Assyrians, which the Jews felt was a sin, and contrary to their law found in Deuteronomy, where it says, no intermarriage. We were not seen as pure Jewish, and this is why the Jews hate Samaritans. And they call us half-breeds, and they call us dogs. But this man, this stranger whom I met at the well, just didn't seem to care. He acted like he really, really wanted to talk to me. He wanted to get to know me. And he acted like he had really gone out of his way to come to Samaria and come to this particular well.
to Jacob's well. Maybe to see me? Uh, that couldn't be. Was he looking for me? Well, how could that be? How would he know that I was there? But I remember, and I remember how it was exactly on that day. He was sitting by the well, and he was also sweating, and he looked very tired. And as I said, I could tell he was a stranger by his, his clothes, and he sat there, and then he asked me for a cup of water. And then I knew he was a stranger because he had a Galilean accent. And so at first, when he asked me for a cup of water, I thought he was maybe playing some sort of a game or maybe even mocking me because, as I explained to you, Jews just don't talk to Samaritans. We're considered unclean. And if he had touched a cup that a Samaritan had touched, then he would be unclean too. Rabbis were taught that it was a sin to touch a utensil that a Samaritan had touched. And so when I asked him why he, a Jew, would be speaking with me, a Samaritan, he said, do you know who I am speaking with? Do you know who I am? And I can't remember the exact words, but he said something like this. If you knew my true identity, you could ask, and I would give you water that leads to eternal life. And not just a drink of water, but a gushing spring that will well up within your heart. He said if I asked him, he would give me living water. And I had trouble understanding what living water meant. Did that mean water, running water from the well, or water in a river, or something different? And I had to admit, I was being a little bit sarcastic when I asked him how he planned to do that. The well's deep, and he had not even brought a bucket or a cup. But he said this, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst. So it seemed that all I had to do was just ask for this living water. But that seemed just too simple. It just seemed too easy. I just didn't think I could do that. But then it finally dawned on me, oh, okay, he's not talking about real water. And as he spoke, I felt like he was speaking to me as a person, like an equal, and accepted me just as I am. But, oh no, I thought, maybe he doesn't really know who I am, and maybe he doesn't know what others are saying about me. But it turned out that he actually did. I was going to say something else before I could even tell him more, but he said to me this, go and call your husband. Not wanting to reveal my shame, I said, I have no husband. He said, well, you're right, you have no husband. The truth is you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. Well, how did he know that? Uh, many of you don't know that I was married a couple of times before I came to this village. I married very young, and my first husband was a very good man. He paid a fair bride price for me, and my parents were happy. I thought I could be happy too, but he suddenly died. According to Leverite law, I had to marry a relative of his to bear offspring for my deceased husband. So I married my 
deceased husband's uncle. But then he died, and I married another relative. And he died, and then another, and he died. And after that, I was married off again to this man that didn't want me. And sometimes he even beat me. So I ran away. Now, there's not many options for women, and especially for widows. I didn't own any of my own property. I had no grown children. I couldn't go live with the sons. If I had had sons, I might have been able to go there, but I didn't have any sons. No one, I had no one who could take care of me. My parents had passed away long before, and so I was alone without any resources. Now, it's not easy for widows, especially as we age. You might remember the story of Ruth and Naomi in our Hebrew scriptures, and that was a happy ending. But I did not have a happy ending. I had to survive any way I could. This prophet somehow knew all about me and my past, but he didn't care. He just stood there, and I felt it was like hours, but it was only just a few minutes, and we continued talking, and he looked at me with love and kindness in his eyes. And I said, there's many reasons for the way my life turned out the way it did. And none of you, not one of you bothered to ask. You judged me before even talking to me. But he didn't. As we continued to talk, I felt in awe of him. I also felt embarrassed. And I was also confused. So I changed the subject. I pointed to the mountain behind us and I said, this is the mountain for Samaritans, Mount Gerizim. Our fathers worshiped on that mountain and we worshiped there for generations. But you Jews tell us that people can only, they can only worship in Jerusalem. So tell me, which mountain, which mountain's the right one? Now, I may have sounded sarcastic, or perhaps I sounded like an idiot asking about this, but it, truly, I really, really wanted to know. But he was kind in his answer. He answered me in a new way that gave me worth and respect. And that was a new experience for me. I had not felt respect in a long time. He simply tells me that time, a time is coming where geography won't matter much. And he said, it doesn't really matter where you worship. True worshipers, he said, worship God in spirit and in truth. And those are the kind of worshipers God seeks. So I think he was saying to me that it's not about when and where you worship, but it's about worshiping God with a pure heart. Maybe it was the tone of his voice. Maybe it was the calm I felt in his presence. But whatever it was, when he got to that spirit and truth part, I said, well, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. And then, do you know what he said? He said, I am he. Then I knew, and I just knew, that he was the Messiah from God. And I just knew it, and my heart leaped for joy. Up to now, I've been telling myself that God doesn't care about someone as insignificant as me. But he, he, the Messiah, helped me to see that that wasn't true. 
I was so excited that when I left the well, I even forgot my water jug. I just had to hurry and go and share with the people in town the good news about the Messiah. And I had to share about how he came, not just for the Jews, but he came for the Samaritans. And he came for all of us. You, all of you who are here today, you are like thirsty villagers. And I want him to splash you with living water. This water is continuously pouring from above. And all we have to do is open ourselves up and let that living water soak into our lives. Soak into our souls. If we accept this living water and believe in him, then there will be so much water and love inside the sanctuary that will be flowing out into the streets and down the hill to everywhere and to everyone. Come, come and see the man who told me everything I'd ever done. I told my whole town and they came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah too. And you too, you can also believe and you can be saved. Just ask for it. Ask for salvation. Ask for God of love to create in you a clean heart. Come and believe in him. The Lord of living water will pour his mercy on us. He will wash us clean and he's the one to give us the water of life. Share this living water. Share the love of this Messiah with everyone you meet. Amen.